So I want to jump in real quick, and um, I want to just offer a, a word of edification to our men. Real men's ministry, you know, you may go, Pastor Chuck, you, all you do is men's ministry and prayer. Right, good observation. And, um, but we do men's ministry for the sake of what we want. My vision is that the women of this church would be the biggest fans of the real men, real, the men's ministry in this church. My prayer is that the, the sons and daughters, the young people in this church, they will be the biggest fans of men's ministry. That they'll nag their dad for their mom to go, Dad, you're going on a retreat, right? You're going on a retreat, right? So men, mark your calendar now for October 19 and 20, 2024. Um, Pastor Dave, who spoke, he said, this room may not hold all the guys that are coming next year. We'll find a bigger room or we'll just crowd around and put more chairs around the table. And no condemnation. I know we all have schedules. But I beg you men to mark your calendar. Treat it like Scott Selby's wife said. It's, it's my second holiday, favorite holiday to Christmas. Thank God Christmas is her favorite holiday. But we're close right there behind her. Real men. The vision of real men's ministry is we're building spiritually mature men who effectively lead their marriages and families, build strong families that raise world changers with a firsthand faith. Now, everybody look at me. It, you know we're a different, we're not ashamed of being a different church. We're a fourth quarter church. The Lord's got our attention. The, the stakes are high and we're all in. We are a strong drink. We're a double shot Sunday morning. We worship like our lives depend on it because they literally do. And when we talk about men's ministry, and I tell the men, this isn't just about you, this retreat. It's about your, your marriage, and it's about your family. And I pray in the name of Jesus, there are some tremendous families. Many of you are doing everything you can. You're homeschooling. You're, praying, you're paying private school tuition. You're doing everything, hybrid schools. This is a, a group of families and parents that are vigilant to protect their children. And may God do something so profound in every man in this church that it has a profound, undeniable impact on our sons and daughters. Amen? Now, so this morning, I want to address all four generations if you're here today and you're 18 years or younger, I want you to stand up. And you're a, a male. All young men, 18 years and younger. Let's give these young men a good hand. Wow, just awesome. And I, I want to address you young men. You can be seated, but please listen to me closely. You're in the learning years and you will learn that one of the most important things for you to learn is that there's some things you don't know and it's called self-awareness as you get older people don't know what they don't know but we want you to learn to know the things that you don't know Luke 2 verse 51 and 52 Jesus was a young man Jesus had all the dynamic, went through all the stages. He was an infant, needed his diaper changed. 
He nursed at the breast of his mother. He saw whiskers pop in. He had learned how to shave. He became a teenager. He went through everything every man in this room has gone through. And the Bible says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, his mother and father. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus did what I pray you will do. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. The word is he was submissive. Jesus was perfect, right? He had imperfect parents, and he submitted to his parents. You're imperfect, and yes, your parents are imperfect too, but you can submit to your parents. You may think your parents are stupid. They are not. Our culture is telling you they are stupid, but our culture is demonic, and it is stupid and broken. If God has given you a father and a mother who live together in the same house, you are blessed. If God has given you a mother or father who love Jesus and live in the same house, you've won the family lottery. You are blessed. And I want to encourage you, the degree to which you learn to submit to your parents will the, be the degree to which you prosper in life. I know you may think even you have drunk the juice, Pastor Chuck. I'm the smartest 15-year-old there's ever been. That's why Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Come on, that's not in the Bible, but it should be. <laughs> Young men, I encourage you, do what I started doing in my sophomore year of high school. Read a proverb a day. It will change your life. You need to understand that today's culture is a fool's parade of idiots. Young men are wasting their time on pornography and video game foolishness, except for our brother Ross, of course. <laughs> the culture is marketing to you so effectively a false sense of masculinity that young men are measured by what they consume, not what they produce. Consumption not production. We've raised a generation of takers, not givers. But I want you at Restoration Church to be an outlier, to be an oddball, to be special, and don't let the indoctrinating spirit of this age infect you. Let the wisdom of the book of Proverbs raise you up. You have the spirit of excellence on you, you are a king in the making. You are a Daniel. You are a Joseph. You're a David in this house. May the Lord bless you. I want to ask every one of you to come and get a baton. Every 18-year-old and younger man that stood, I want you to race down here and get here quick. It's a race, so get here quick. We're, I want you to take a baton. There you are. What's your name? Elliot. 
Elliot, how old are you? Six. Elliot, may this be in your possession as you grow up and get married. May you be a young man that stands in the gap. Six years old, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Now, y'all are young. You should be quicker than that. Come on now. Oh, it's the old ushers trying to pass them out. That's the problem. Isn't that awesome? Do you hear that rumbling? I hear the sound of thunder in the distance. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Come on, give the Lord praise that our house is full of young men. Now, if you are 19 to 40, I want you to stand. Look at this. Awesome. The young men were in their learning years. You are in your strong years. It's time for you to flex spiritually. You can be seated. Biblically, a man is around 40 years old, and up until then, a man is a young man. And I hate to say it, but the Bible doesn't say good things at all about young men, except that they are strong. And gorillas are strong. And terrorists are strong. You're strong, but you, you need wisdom. You have a big cell and a small rudder. You tend to have a lot of power, but don't know young men who haven't been sanctified. A lot of power, but don't know where they're going or necessarily what they're doing. And they, even though you're a young man with a lot of unbridled power, still the father, the apostle Paul said to the young man Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. You set an example for the older ones. Now, listen to me, young men, in your strong years. The entire culture is set up to destroy you, emasculate you. There is nothing built in this world for your flourishing. There is no national organization of men. If you want to learn how to be a father in today's culture, where do you go? Other than the church, there is no place talking about fathering. If you want to get married, where do you go to learn how to be a husband? You go to Restoration Church. That's where you go. Because that's where godly women are looking for a godly man. And there are more godly women so far than there are men, but we're catching up right now. Amen? So you young ladies, hold on. There's a handful of women who are married to somebody they met in this church. And most of them have the biggest smile of anybody in the church. This is better than Buckhead. This is better than online dating. We are becoming a godly man-making factory. This is going to be a place. <laughs> this is going to be a place where you can find a Proverbs 31 husband, whatever that is. Now, the Real Men podcast said, said this, there are now more young women <clears throat> than young men in America's workforce. 
more young women than young men in college, and more than 10 million young women than young men in the church. More young women, for the first time, have driver's license than young men, because young men are, thank you very much, Roshan, young men are living on their phones, worshiping at the altar of fantasy football. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I have a vision that Restoration Church will be known as a place where men get delivered, set free, discipled, saved to the bone, and they never stop growing and being a biblical, godly man. I told the group on Friday night, masculinity is strength on behalf of others. The world is fearful of churches that talk about masculinity because the world thinks masculinity is strength on behalf of self. It's not. It's strength on behalf of others. Children born to young women under 30 for the first time in history, more are born out of wedlock. 40% of children tonight will go to bed with no father. And brothers and sisters, that's the real generational epidemic. This is the real crisis in our country. I have fought these tears all weekend long. I'm I'm an old youth pastor who never grew out of it. I love grown men just like I did teenagers in high school because there's not much difference. It's so funny <laughs> that we have the same needs. They just, we feel them more acutely. We're still looking to be accepted. We still are insecure, all of us. We're still broken. We just have a little more record, track record of our brokenness. You know, I, I didn't say this stuff in the first service, but we don't have a third service trying to get in the parking lot. So we got, we got all day, don't we? Um, you know, I, I've said... Well, even when we were interviewing Pastor Mon- uh, Pastor, Mon- Pastor Arville to come, I said, you know, as a lead pastor, I-, I-, I like to lead the church the way I led the youth group. He said, you have to unpack that to me, with me. And I was like, well, we-, we just, we keep it light, keep it real. We don't get religious. And so <laughs> when I was telling the leadership guys on the men's ministry, I said, this year, we're going to have a shirts off contest. And we're going to have a burping contest. And we're going to have a hairy back contest. And they looked at me like, is he serious? And I had to sell them all the way up. I even got, I got there and I saw the agenda. I'm like, no, y'all tried to take the hairy back burping and shirts off contest off. We're doing it. Brian Porzio, who emceed all weekend, he came to me Saturday, just very serious. He's like, PC, you're going to have to help me. How, how, how are we going to do that? <laughs> and I said, well, let's start with the shirts off. Just open it up. Tell the whole group. Are, would anybody like to nominate somebody for the shirts off? Con- and if we get a second, then they're on. And, uh, and I said, there'll be some wanting to be on it because... Some of them heard, I told them we were going to do it. Like Joel DeVisser, he's been working. He hadn't eaten sugar in six years because he heard that we're going to have this. 
Banks didn't eat all weekend. He, had, he drank only water. And so those, we had about, I don't know, about eight or nine guys go up with the shirts off contest Saturday morning. And we had one 70-year-old former missionary. He'd nominated himself. And you could see it. I was like, it's over. All of us are so jealous of all those young studs. Bro, you are our man. It went from a shirts off contest to a dad bod contest. And uh, didn't it? And so then they, we, everybody, so Brian went over and said, cheer for which one? It's like, whoa, got to Banks. And it's like, whoa, he's, whoa. And it got to the, we couldn't even wait. He got to, he finished the ninth guy, and we saved him for last, Dave Barry from up Greenville, South Carolina. And they, the place went crazy. And then they said, all right, we'll take the top three or whatever it was and steal the two. And they could see it. It was, it was rigged. The Lord gave it to the 70-year-old. Then we had the burping contest, and then we had the ba Harry Back Award. And... Um, it's going to be awesome. Some of you new couples, you men that were on the weekend, you're going to be out in the parking lot and, with your wife, and you're going to go, honey, there's that guy that won the Harry Back Award. <laughs> Some of you women are going, honey, you need to go get a wax, get your back. And you, you men now can go, oh, man, you should have seen the guy who won the Harry Back Award. You know what? We gave him a $250 gift certificate to go get a free wax. You know what Pastor Arville said? Now I know what you're talking about when you say we're going to lead the church like it's a youth group. How many of you are glad we're set free from religion and stuffiness? And so the real crisis is fatherlessness or fathers that aren't protecting and defending their families. Isn't it interesting that China has outlawed pornography. And it's, it's a national epidemic for us. The generational father wound is an epidemic. Almost every young man you know either had no dad or a bad dad that they have not yet forgiven. Deep father wounds in a whole generation of young men. Young men who tend to overreact and either becoming too tough or too tender. They become too tough in response to their wound, hard-nosed, insensitive, gangsta, alpha male, or too tender, too nice, too soft, passive, easygoing, kind of men who get run over and scared to fight for the things that they should fight. And if he does get married and has children, they're not defended or protected. And God wants to heal us from that wound. And to you men 19 to 40, who are strong. Paul's words to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And to you men, wherever you are in those, those years, the Lord calls us to give up childish ways. It's no longer cute to talk like a teenager or be selfish or insensitive to people. You know, there's some childish things that we must put away. The big difference between a man and a boy is 
A child thinks someone should take care of me. And a man knows that he is called to take care of someone. So, again, I come not to browbeat you. We've got the finest men of any church. I, could, I, I can't imagine a better group of men. But I call you. Don't worship at the altar of fantasy football. And realize that if your brain is broken, it's because you're in a culture that is demonic. We are building a countercultural group of men who gladly read their Bibles, who are full of the Spirit, who love their families, and are willing to stand in the gap no matter the cost. My question for you is, what do you need to give up? What do you need to give up? I want to ask you men, 19 to 40, I want you to come and get a baton quickly. You're still young. You're in your strong years, so make it quick. Let's give God praise for these awesome men of God in the house. Thank you, Lord. Come on, don't stop. Look at this. The church sanctuary is full of them. Glory be to the Lord. Many of them new fathers. Wasn't it awesome? Eleven babies got dedicated last Sunday, and the fathers prayed the prayer of dedication. Isn't it awesome? Now, those who are 41 years old to 60, who are in their power years, turn it. You may have to help one of them get up, but all of them, stand up, guys. Look around. Awesome. Come on. Woo woo. Oh man, what a stellar group of guys. You can be seated. The young men, 18 and younger, are sons. The grown men, 19 to 40, they're brothers. You older men are fathers. And we're going to talk in a minute about the grandfathers. Let me address you. The early ones are in their learning years. The next group, strong years. You're in your power years. We talked about it last night. Many of you are kings. You've been given a dominion, a business, a family, a ministry, something that you're now in charge of, and you have power and influence. You've worked your whole career to get where you are. The culture doesn't honor you, but I do this morning. The culture doesn't respect you because the culture is demonic. All the movies and TV shows are sick. The dumbest person is always the dad. The smartest is the child. And the Jesus, Messiah figure comes in as a pet and saves the day or sometimes the wife or mommy. The cultural narrative is this. Men are stupid, incompetent can't take care of themselves, aren't trustworthy, the dumbest person in the family, and it's a lie. Men, you are the greatest asset to your family in these years, and your family needs you. You're the greatest gift and asset. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, and here's the verse for you. He says, and this is what happens when you get a little older. Paul says, my beloved children, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He says in some translations, you have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. I want to pause right here and just encourage you. Even here in our church, what's the problem, spiritually speaking, in our country? We got celebrity spiritual leaders, men and women who are looking to grow their influence and their platform and their income. And we do podcasts and blogs and we write books. And I've been in the green rooms with some of them. They want nothing to do with people. They just want to be the expert. It's easy to be a teacher. It's easy to do a podcast. But it takes a real man who is imperfect, and everybody knows they're imperfect, to be a father. And I want to encourage you guys in those years. Some of you, your children are still young. Some of you, like you, Mark, and Donita, you got, they're in college. They're, they're starting to adult and leave the nest. But they still need a father. And in this church, we're different around here. I'm not the guest speaker. We don't run conferences. We do life together. And you are blessed to have not just one father, but we've got two or three or four or five. There's a lot of spiritual leaders in this house who are fathers. And it might get a little messy. You might not be so impressed with us as the guy on TV, but I'll tell you... We are here to walk with you, and we are here to do life together. And what we, I know what my boys needed. Not, they didn't need Dr. Dobson. My girls didn't need a fathering expert or a men's ministry guru. They needed a daddy. And you guys that are in this stage, I just bless you, and I pray God will anoint you to be a father. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say praise the Lord for it? I celebrate you. I celebrate you fathers, you restoration men. Now I want you to come and don't go too quick. I don't want you to pull a muscle or anything, but come on up and get a. Sometimes it takes me a few minutes to be able to stand all the way up. I'm in this group on the backside of it. Love you, Keener. Come on, somebody, check this out. Thank you. I read that. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. It's okay if we have to pause the service because we have, or the sermon because we have too many men in church this morning. We ordered 500 batons, and I bet you we're going to be close at the end. Wouldn't it be awesome if we ran out? I'll pass mine to somebody a little younger. Awesome. Now to the grandfathers. 61 years and older, I want you to stand up.
Come on, just stay out. Russ, how old are you? Just 92 years young. How long have you been counseling people? 40 years pouring into people. Steve, Pastor Munn, look at this, just awesome. You guys can be seated. I had the privilege, so we're in the learning years, the strong years, the power years, and you men are in the nurturing years. This, this past week, I had the privilege of having Carter Conlon in my car, took him, drove him up to the conference where he was speaking, and somehow we got on the subject of uh, grandchildren, and he said, you know, Chuck, um, the difference between fathers and grandfathers is law and grace. He said, the fathers are like Moses. They have to give them the law. And the grandfathers, we're like Jesus. We just get to give them the grace. <laughs> he said, you want to go get ice cream instead of eat dinner? Let's go get ice cream. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, though? And you older gentlemen, you're not weaker. You're still strong. You just got a new level and capacity to love. And man, does the world need some nurturers. And so, it's interesting when you look. I want you to see something, and then we're going to pray and get out of here in a few minutes. John, the disciple, was with Jesus in his Earlier years, he was young and ambitious. And if you remember early, they're in Samaria, and the Samaritans aren't receiving the ministry. And John gets ticked off at it, and he says, Jesus, just call down fire on them. And then, where else is it? He, he comes and he goes, Jesus, you can keep your throne, but could I have the one right next to yours? Thank you very much, John, you know. And Jesus said, young man, you don't know what you're asking for. Later in his life, John had seen all of the other disciples get martyred. They had tried to boil him in oil. Somehow he survived it. And they said, we got to put this guy out on a deserted island, the island Patmos, where he gets the book of Revelation. <laughs> What are you going to do with this guy? And then he is the one who sets the emotional trajectory when all of Christianity is going, they killed them all except for John. A penal colony, the Isle of Patmos. And in his last letters, he writes and he says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. You're talking about a grace-filled nurturer. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Steve, Russ, Rick, all you great men, our elders that are in that, 
We're not asking for you to take a step back. We're not, this isn't time for you to be put out to pasture. If the church has ever needed you, it's now. May these be your finest years, your most fruitful years. You're in a church where we honor you. And young generation, and mommies, women, the best thing you can do to help your man become a godly man is you honor him. Something happens. You're like, he's not honorable. When his, the lady in his life starts honoring him, every man I know has something inside that goes, I got to become what she's honoring me up to be. And it releases. Paul said in Titus, don't nag him. God said, don't nag your man. Nag me. Pray to me and I will fix him. So nag God, and God will effectively fix your husband way better than you can. Am I, anybody right? And all of you men, you better go ahead and make the adjustment, because if God starts dealing with you, you're going to wish you had said yes, ma'am, to your wife. Can I get a witness? Tell the truth. All right. In closing, oh, man, I see you, Tristan. How old are you, Tristan? You are not the same young man that you were when you walked in here. How long ago? You were nervous. You were like withdrawal city, uncomfortable. And there you sit beside your fiance that you met on a mission trip with the young adults of this church. How about that? If you had seen him and see him now, this is an amazing atmosphere. Now, there's one little verse in the book of Acts. And, and there, it, some translations say, start and say, now this is not about David, but, and then it says something about David. It's like Luke thinks back about Jesus' ministry and he goes, and David, look what it says, verse 36. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He didn't die. He just fell asleep and woke up in a new world. Now, I want to ask some men. Pastor Mine, I want you to come as the sage of our church. Oh, the, oh, wait, wait, wait. Come on. And I, I, thank you, Pastor. I had a senior moment trying to honor the seniors. I want all the grandfathers to come and get their baton. Thank you, Pastor Arbel. <laughs> Pastor Munn, I want you to come on up here with me. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Mm, 75 years old Wednesday. I want to ask Mark Walker. I want you to come on up, Mark. Tristan, I want you to come on up. And I need a young man. Hey, is Grant Musil here? Where are you, Grant? 
Grant, come on down here. Pastor Mine, I want you to come right here. And then Mark, right here. Tristan, you have your baton. You right here. Grant Musil is 18 years old, gets out of bed and comes and is part of the model man every other Thursday at 6 a.m. on his own accord. Um, I'm going to hold yours right here and hold yours right here. We're running a race. I told the early service, I'm rounding third. I don't know how close I am to third, but I'll be 58 soon. And um, I say this respect, you've probably rounded third. And you're on your way home. But, you, but you're not done. And we need you. And you're going to score. If you've ever run track and field, a couple of our kids ran collegiately. And watching relay races... The shorter the race, like the four by 100, they spend most of their practice time not on getting faster, but on the handoff, the passing of the baton. And they have a certain distance, about 20 yards, that the guy who's finishing his leg has to run as fast as the guy starting his leg. And when you take that baton and they come out of there, Get those arms going, and then you'll finish your leg. And you got to finish strong, and you got to start with passion. And we're getting ready, symbolically, to do what God is doing in this church. We need all four generations. And to you, Grant, as you represent, if there's any generation in this church that needs Somebody running hard and fast and strong with their eye on the prize. It's you. And we believe in you. There's a great anointing and call on your life. I want all four of you turn and face that wall. And Pastor Munn, as you finish, Mark, you will keep your head forward, trusting the guy behind you knows what to do. You can get out of the blocks going full speed. You don't have to look back. Track coaches will tell you. If you look back, it slows you down, and it messes up where he knows he's supposed to put the baton. Take your right hand and just, right arm, and just slide it backwards. And Pastor Munn passes it, and you, Mark, finish your race. Tristan, you take it, and we didn't drop it. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, stand up. Men of God, how many of you are going to stand in the gap regardless? And you are going to be a godly husband. We talked about it last night. May you catch a vision for your wife like you had the first time when you finally found her and she said, I'll be your girlfriend. May that feeling just come back and take over your life. And may tonight be a special night in your house in Jesus' name and for his glory.
I told the men, right in the middle of the Bible is the book, Song of Solomon. Right in the middle of the Holy Bible, praise the Lord. You can't read Song of Solomon chapter 7 without getting frisky or wanting to get frisky. So all you singles, skip over Song of Solomon. Give it a few years. You can read the Bible through in a year, but stay away from Song of Solomon chapter 7. God is the least religious person you know. We serve an amazing, creative, fun God. Can I get a witness? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We throw up my hands and praise you again. generation well in Jesus name the purpose we have in our generation amen may the Lord bless you keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you may he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus name we pray these things amen amen and amen Turn and tell two, three people, say, I am blessed beyond what I deserve. Tell somebody, 
We love y'all. Have a great afternoon, everybody.